0: Today's message, will be a little bit different from most messages. So on the whole, whenever I preach from the pulpit, whenever any of our pastors preach from the pulpit, it usually is a message that is catered to most of the body of Christ. Like somebody from outside of our church could tune in and they would still be able to connect with the message. They'd still be able uh, to, to get sustenance and nutrition from it. But today's message will be a little bit different in that it's going to be very specifically catered to this church and it's a message that's been a long time coming we haven't really talked about this topic in particular for a long time but it feels like it is now it is time for us to address uh, this topic and it is the topic of our church name the topic of our church name if anybody has asked you why is this church called new philadelphia church So why? You guys are not in Philadelphia. You guys are not even in the States. You guys are in Korea. Why New Philadelphia? There's actually biblical reasons why this church was first called New Philadelphia Church. And so today we're going to be talking about that. Now, I need to be very transparent with you. The reason why we haven't talked about this for a long time is that it was a very charged issue for Quite a lot of people who have been here for a long time. There might be some negative connotations to this name because of a lot of our past history. And so I want to be as transparent and as vulnerable as possible so that we as a community can once again rally around a name that, in my humble opinion, it wasn't set up just merely by a human person. It was a God-given name. And that holds a very specific promise. And that is why I'm so passionate about preaching about this to our congregation. If you are new to our congregation or if you're not a part of our congregation, if you're tuning in online, we do have a lot of different people that simply are tuning in just to receive a message. Don't close your heart. You know, there's still, if it's the living word of God, then you're going to get something from it. So whether you're part of our community or not, don't close your heart, but believe that God is going to speak to you today through his word. So the title of today's message is what's in a name. Quick trivia. Does anybody with working high school literature knowledge, remember where that's from? What's in a name? Yes. Romeo and Juliet. Thank you. Someone was a good student back in high school. Everybody else. I don't know how you guys graduated. Yes. Romeo and Juliet. How much, you know, more famous doesn't get than that from Shakespeare. The whole point of it, this line, you know, was said by Juliet towards Romeo. Uh, saying, you know, the only reason why we can't be together is because of your last name. Our families are, you know, enemies. The only reason why we can't be together is in a name. But but why should it even matter? What's in a name anyway? You could have, you could be Romeo Velasquez. And it wouldn't, you know, you'd still be the same person. Why should a name get in the way of this love that we have for one another? The whole point is... There is something in a name, actually. There is something in a name. If we were to look all throughout Scripture, God thinks very highly of names, and God is very specific about the names that He gives people. And so, with that being said, what we're going to do today is we're going to go over two different passages that uh, that are the origin for our name. And then I'm going to give a few implications for our community for today. So for those of you guys who are unaware, the new of new Philadelphia church actually comes from Isaiah 43, Isaiah 43 verses 18 through 19. And I'm going to put up uh, some slides for us so that you can follow along. Isaiah 43 verses 18 to 19 it reads forget the former things Do not dwell on the past See, I am doing a new thing Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland I love the tone in which it is said it is like Hey, it's so obvious. Why is it so hard for you to see it? It's that kind of tone that prophet Isaiah is speaking forth to God's people. It's not saying, hey, it's plain and simple. And of course you're going to reach this conclusion. It's saying, hey, hey, pay attention, pay attention, behold, see God is doing a new thing. And if you're not perceptive, if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss this new thing that God is doing. Now, this comes in the middle of a long passage of prophet Isaiah foretelling of Israel's discipline. And in the middle of that, God breaks in with a promise of deliverance the coming of a savior this is 600 years before jesus ever walks on the scene right 600 years before that god breaks in with a promise of deliverance the coming of a savior through whom god will blot out all transgressions of this wayward nation he reminds them first of miracles that he already showed their forefathers and he says hey The miracles that your forefathers saw. Do you remember how the seas split open and millions of Jews were able to walk on dry land? And then the seas closed up over the armies of Pharaoh. Do you remember that? Have you heard that? I'm going to do an even greater thing. It's going to far surpass the miracles that you or your forefathers have ever seen. You're going to see God make your enemies a thing of the past. And I am forever going to deliver you. This is an insane promise for a people who are on the brink of seeing God's discipline. Now, the new thing obviously from this context, it's the power of the gospel breaking into the desert and wasteland like streams of living water. And it is something that you or I can never do for ourselves. No amount of good works will get you this. It had to be something birthed from the hands of God himself. It's not you are making a way in the desert. It is I am making a way in the desert. You sit back and watch the hand of God bring deliverance. This new thing is birthed from the hands of God himself for the redemption of a broken and stiff neck people who are going to fail yet again. This new thing is both God's sovereign act of deliverance in his first covenant, so with the first coming of Jesus, And the consummation of the grand narrative at the end of time with a new heavens and new earth through his second coming. That is the new thing. The second part of the name, right? That's a new of new Philadelphia. Now the, the part that says Philadelphia, it's actually not Philadelphia that we know from the States. It is a biblical city in Asia minor. Good save. (laughs) That was called Philadelphia. And so in Revelation 3, this is what it says To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. So this is Jesus talking to an actual church, like an actual geographical church. And he says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I, Jesus, am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him. My new name, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. This is a literal letter that Jesus himself is addressing to an actual church. No matter how anointed I am, my words are still Susie's words. If they were written in the Bible, they would not be in red print, Right? These are Jesus's words coming from Jesus's mouth spoken to a very specific church. Jesus directs seven churches in revelations two and three. And out of the seven, only two receive, um, receive encouragement without, um, rebuke. That's right. Sorry. Without rebuke. And that is the church of Smyrna and the church of Philadelphia. Jesus' exhortation and encouragement to this little church in the city of Philadelphia is actually pretty astounding. So first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at a map, right? We see Jerusalem down here, and so this is where where, where Jesus died. This is the empire of, you know, the Greek empire is all the way here. This is asia Minor, this modern-day Turkey, and Philadelphia is right here. Philadelphia is a small city that is perched on the edge of the Greek empire and is an entry point into Asia minor. There's a few things that are actually very um, significant about the city of Philadelphia. Number one is that it was actually a city that encountered many earthquakes, like literal shakings. And so over and over again, over the years, they had to rebuild this city from the ground up. They were a city that were used to rebuilding, a city that is used to shakings, not a city that is just coasting on, but a city that is prepared for the next shaking to come. And when it does, they're quick to rebuild once again second thing as a city that lives on the edge of the out, uh, of the Greek empire, it was a city that was there specifically for the purpose of being a Greek missionary outpost. That means that Asia minor that wasn't influenced as much by the Greek culture, they needed an entry point where Greek culture could enter in. And that was the city of Philadelphia. It was supposed to be an entry point for Greek culture to go all the way into Asia. And third is that it literally means city of brotherly love. Philo's is love, Adelpho's brother, Philadelphia. Philadelphia means brotherly love. City of Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. This is what the city of Philadelphia is known for back in the day. Now, this, the church of Philadelphia, the church that was in this city, It is known for three different things according to this passage. Number one is they were resilient. Just like in the natural, they were able to withstand shakings. In the spiritual, they were also able to withstand persecution, attacks. Being the minority, they were able to withstand those shakings. They are not just physically and naturally resilient, but they're also spiritually resilient. Second thing that we see from this passage is that they are small yet faithful. It wasn't a church that was like the mega church of that time. It was maybe a small and humble church, maybe didn't feel like very much whenever they gathered for Sundays. And yet, Jesus doesn't see them as something minor. He actually calls them small, yet faithful, small, yet mighty. What you carry in this church, although it might not feel like very much, is actually very big in my eyes. And lastly, this church of Philadelphia, according to Jesus's words, they're known to hold fast to God's name. Holding fast to God's name is easy when you're surrounded by Christian cities. It might be easy when you're the majority. It might be easy when there's no pushback and there's no persecution and everybody thinks like you. But when you're a Greek missionary outpost, people already know that you're the minority. You're already pushing back against culture. In the midst of that, they hold fast to God's name. Jesus' exhortation and encouragement to this little church in the city of Philadelphia is astounding. Because to the small, resilient, and faithful church, Jesus himself promises an open door that no man can shut. For the gospel, not just Greek culture, but for the gospel to go forth into Asia, he promises vindication from her persecutors, preservation and steadfastness through trials and shakings, This is a church that encounters many shakings. God is going to make them a pillar in the temple of God. And the mark of God's craftsmanship and honor. You carry my name, I'm going to inscribe my name upon you. You're going to be known as someone who carries the name of Jesus. So what is Jesus saying in this passage to this Relatively small, maybe humble church. He's saying, do you feel shaken? I'm going to make you a pillar. Do you feel like an outlier? I'll put you right at home in the temple of my God and you will never leave it. Do you feel small? Like there's not much you can do. You are mighty. I've opened a door for you that no man can shut. No man can shut. doesn't matter what kind of shakings you go through. doesn't matter what kind of persecutions you go through. doesn't matter if the government is for you or against you. doesn't matter how many people you have in your midst. There's an open door that no man can shut. New Philadelphia Church, then, is called to be a small yet mighty church that perseveres in the face of shakings. That is firmly anchored, not on passing trends, but the enduring word and presence of God. We're not here to be shaken to and fro by the waves. We're here to be anchored upon the word of God that is unshaken. And it is an open door for the gospel in Asia an influence in the midst of opposition and finds her ultimate reward In the God who promises, I am coming soon. It is a church that beholds, that sees, that stops and observes the redemptive and healing work of the hands of God and not of man and responds in zeal and in perseverance. It is a church that is spirit-led and word-based, lending her ears to hear what the spirit says to the churches. That is the church that new Philadelphia church is called to be. Now here's the thing about a name. We received this name long before we understood what perseverance meant because you don't understand perseverance when the odds are in your favor. When you have a reputation in the city, when you're planting churches every year, When all your gatherings draw crowds, when you are at the forefront of media, when you're the talk of town, you don't understand perseverance. Then things are working in your favor. And we received this name long before we knew what endurance was about. We received this name when shaking wasn't an issue because things were good. We were coasting along. We were sending dozens of mission teams into the nations, and life was good. Things were looking bright for us. We had never experienced a shaking as a church that would uproot the very foundations upon which we were built. But now where we are today, it seems like we are finally stepping into what this name was actually meant to be. We're finally now stepping into what it means to be new Philadelphia church. In the Bible, we see this over and over again. This idea that God gives a name to somebody who doesn't embody that just yet. The perfect example is Peter. He was called Peter in John one first chapter. Jesus, look at Simon. He said, you're no longer Simon. You are a rock. I look at you and you, I see somebody who will not falter. Somebody who will be steadfast. Somebody who will not be a sellout. I see somebody who's going to remain constant. He calls him that in John one. What do we see all throughout the rest of John? He falters, right? Isn't that what happens? So Jesus, didn't you know that he was going to go through all those shakings? Jesus, didn't you know that he was going to deny you three times in your time of greatest need? Jesus, didn't you know that he was going to do all these things that would prove that he's not worthy of that name? But Jesus looks at him from the very beginning and says, I see a rock. You see somebody who's fair weather, somebody who jumps on every bandwagon somebody who's going to be there when days are good, but he's going to be first one to flee when things get ugly. I see a rock in you and he calls him Peter. This was way, way before he ever actually stepped into that name. Peter didn't actually step into that name until after resurrection, like way after the drama had happened. Right. And that was Jesus's faithfulness, his mercy, over this man that he called rock before he ever felt like a rock. Now for us as a church that has gone through so much in the last few years, I'm going to be very transparent here. I've been wondering over the last three years, are we still in the Philadelphia church? It doesn't feel like that at times. It doesn't feel like we're persevering in anything. <laughs> if anything, it feels like we're shrinking back. If anything, it feels like, man, it's like crisis after crisis, man. It feels like it's this healing thing is taking forever. It doesn't feel like new Philadelphia church. It doesn't feel like we're influencing anybody. It doesn't feel like over the last three years, I've been asking God, are we still new Philadelphia church in your eyes? And as I've been praying and seeking the Lord, the answer that I've been getting from God is you are New Philadelphia Church more than ever before. More than ever before. Now you're finally understanding perseverance. Now you're finally understanding what it means to hold fast in my name. Not your name. Not the brand of New Philadelphia. The name of Jesus and Jesus alone. Now you understand what shakings can do to your faith and to your community. And now you understand what it means to rebuild from that place. Now you understand what it means to want to be in the presence of God and never be removed from that because you feel like everything else is being shaken. Now, more than ever before, this church embodies the name New Philadelphia Church. We are just stepping into what it means like, what it looks like to persevere, to go through trials and shakings, to behold and see the hand of God and God alone bring hope and deliverance. In a way that could not be done through human hands. We are only now realizing what it means to withstand shakings, to hold fast to his promise and to his name and to press in, to overcome in order to be placed as a pillar in the house of God. And this is my encouragement to us. He sees us. Jesus says, I know your deeds. All the things that were done in secret all the sacrifices that you made in secret, all those things that you feel like went unnoticed, maybe it was a mistake. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe that was just youthful zeal. God sees that. God saw that, and he's still rewarding that. There is still an open door for New Philadelphia Church that no man can shut. as one of the churches that is singled out at the brink of the unfolding events of the book of revelation, I believe God is leading us also to be a church that is tested and a church that is true, well equipped, firmly planted in this pivotal moment in history. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention this last year. There's been a lot of shaking. There's been a lot of shaking, more than ever before. If we are going to make it through as a church, we need to be firmly planted and rooted in God. This is not a reason to be spiritually arrogant, but for us to properly assess the weight of the assignment, for us to properly assess the urgency of the moment and humbly pray into the church's role in the context of the larger body of Christ. This is not just for your happiness and my happiness. There's something much bigger happening here. And God wants to work through this church. If only we would let him. As the global landscape, especially of the church is quickly shifting all over the world. I believe we are called to raise up a people of Philadelphia like resist, resistance and resilience to remain wholehearted in the great commandment, steadfast in the great commission in the context of the great return. This is my encouragement to you, New Philadelphia church. You are made to be resilient. Not just to not experience shakings, but to endure through them. You are made to remain even through the shakings, the winds, and the waves. You are made to be an open door for the gospel. And the gospel, this is so important, the gospel is more than just a collection of ideas. That is not the gospel. The gospel is the living Testament of God's goodness, his faithfulness, and his mercy for broken mankind. The fact that you are still standing as a church is a Testament of the truth of the gospel and the power of God's healing hand. You are still standing. You're still in love. You had every reason to walk away offended and bitter. And yet here you are. Opening your heart up to God again. Here you are yearning for God again. The hope in your heart might seem very faint at times, but that is what draws you back to God over and over again. And as Revelation 3 says, God sees you. Even when you feel like you're insignificant, even though it feels like you're not going anywhere, even when you feel like, what am I even doing here? He knows your deeds. Every big and small sacrifice, he sees it all, and he is faithful to reward that. As someone who has been at this church for a long time, I've been here since 2008. I've been here since 2008. And when I first came here, I was a wide-eyed Chilean, you know, coming into Korea And I was like, wow, this is so fresh and so new. And I walked into the sanctuary, and I immediately knew that there was something very special about this church. I had never seen a group of young people run after God in that way. I didn't even know it was possible until I came to New Philadelphia Church. I was like, wow, people can actually move to a place because God's presence is doing something. God will actually... uh, young people will actually give up their Fridays and their Saturdays and their Sundays and their Tuesday evenings to pray. I had never seen that before. There are people who there's young people who will not just sit through a 30 minute sermon, but they'll sit through a three hour long service and they still want more. And they're going to sing their hearts out until their voice, you know, dies. I had never seen something like that before. And I knew that there was something very special about this church. Now, years later, I realized that it was more than just youthful zeal. That this is a gift that Nephili carries. And that is this wholeheartedness when it comes to pursuing God. There's something very special about this church. Where every single one of you is not okay with just Sunday Christianity. You're not just okay with, well, I went to church today, didn't I? Isn't that enough? Well, you know, I, I did one QT way back in the day. Isn't that enough? Well, I gave my life to Christ 15 years ago. Isn't that enough? There's something very special about this church in that it's a church full of people that are not okay with a bare minimum. People that know that there's more of God to be had, that God is worthy of everything that we give to him and more. I believe that that's what is so special about this church. And it wasn't just back in 2008. It is still there today. Even when you feel like what you have to give to God is very small or very weak or very insufficient, God sees it and God honors that. I wanted to call out just a few people today, maybe not by name, but the parents that are behind us. Don't look at them to embarrass them. But the parents that are behind us, I'm sure there's many more comfortable churches they could go to. I'm sure there's many different churches that would have, you know, different infrastructure, different age groups. They, they have many other churches that they could go to. And yet here they are. They want to build this church and they go to great lengths. And great sacrifice to come and be a part of this community in a significant way. People who commute here from outside of Seoul. I know that there's several of you, maybe some of you are even watching from stream. The fact that you're willing to one way, it takes you like an hour, an hour and a half. Who does that? In the States, you do that. You end up in a different state, right? Like... You can find better churches near where you are. And there's people who commute to our church because they want to build this house. There's people who have been here for many years and have gone through the really painful years that our church went through. And if you're still here, I want to honor you for that. You had every reason to walk away. You had every reason to just say, look, I gave it my all. It didn't work out for me. I just need to go somewhere else. And that's, that was maybe just something of the past. But if you're an old timer in our community, you need to know that your love, your sacrifice, your prayers, your yes, your best years poured into this house. They were not in vain. God sees you and he's still answering those prayers. Now, if you're new to our community and if you're wondering, could this be a place where I'm able to make mistakes in my journey towards God, where people know the pain of losing your way, where people know that you need time to heal, where people know that you need a safe place And people that will pray for you, not give up on you. Then maybe you're in the right place. If you're looking for a church where you won't just be taking and taking and taking. But you'll also be giving. You'll be growing in Christ-likeness. And you'll be challenged week in and week out to make this more than just a nominal thing. To actually make this a lifestyle. To actually believe the words of the Bible. To actually live like a Christian. Then, maybe this is where God is calling you to as well, and lastly, if there 's anybody in this room and perhaps over a stream that has been hurt by the church before, it could be this church, it could be a different church, and I say that because i 'm in that i 'm in that uh, group as well don 't for a moment think that god can 't heal you from that, and he 's going to use. The church to heal you from the church. It cannot happen in a vacuum. It cannot happen where you're safely tucked away somewhere. God in his love and his mercy loves to bring restoration and healing through the church. As imperfect as it is, as broken as it is, he loves to bring healing through his church. I want us to end today with a time of prayer. Once again, I said, this is a very unusual message for me to preach, but it was long overdue. As we're stepping into the season of rebuilding, we'll be having membership soon. You know, all these different things that are now our attempt to rebuild from the ground up. I want us to take a time to meditate on, could it be that God gave us this name even before we really understood it? Could it be that God saw resilience in us before we actually experienced it? Could it be that he saw something small yet powerful when we felt like it was no big deal? Could it be that God is still holding open that door that no man can shut? And that there's still work for us to do. There's still lengths for us to go. There's still people for us to reach. That our best days are not behind us, but as a church, God's hope, his calling, his destiny, his purpose of the church has just begun. So I want us to just take a moment to pray together. first thing that I would like us to pray for is for God to open up our eyes as Isaiah 43 it says it might be right under your nose and you don't see it but you need to stop you need to behold for God is doing a new thing it might be things in your personal life where you've been wanting to see change for a long time it might be things in your family in your workplace And it might be something regarding this church. Let's pray together that God would open up our eyes, that we would see his work. That we would see his hand at work, his will at work, his purpose at work, his power at work. That we would not just allow these things to escape our notice, but we would stop and we would behold and see the new thing that he is doing.